I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, I'm rolling. Pretty, pretty, pretty. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> were sure. So. Probably like maybe a half hour's worth. Was it? Hey, yeah, recorded? Yeah, time goes, time goes by fast in the podcast. That did not feel like a half hour at all. <laughs> it never does. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright, yeah. Now we're, now we're back, though, and we're moving on to... Five through one, top five, top five decades. So uh, Jake, why don't you start us off with your number five? I will do that. Um, number five, we actually already talked about. Uh, Luke had it uh, higher up, I believe, uh, or lower, I should say. Uh, is Moonlight, which everything he said previously, uh, I would agree with, and that movie. F- on a personal level has, has really shaped how I, I look at independent film and how, you know, that movie really democratized it and, and made it really accessible to a lot of people. Even, you know, that movie was produced by Brad Pitt and released by A24 and was a pretty giant, giant hit compared to its budget, which was, I believe around $2 million. Um, and that, the way that movie was marketed, which was, it's, it's about a young gay black kid in the projects and you know you kind of have your preconceived notions going in um but it's not like that at all it's a really really melancholy movie about uh growing up and and life and how you know just singular moments really shape your perception on uh everything and and your relationships primarily and you know how you sort of view view yourself in the world that that other people don't and you know, in the case of the, the, the young boy that we follow for, for decades is just astounding how truthful it is to how it re- really is like growing up. Aside from the, the, the love story in that movie, I think it's a timeless depiction on how, you know, so many singular just moments in someone's life can can create a trajectory of bad decisions and and just how you, you, you react to certain things. And that movie is, is so beautifully constructed. It's, the score is amazing. It's shot like no other movie with just so many really great tracking shots, especially towards the beginning, um, just sort of acclimating you in this world. Uh, I think Mahersha Ali is, is deserved the Oscar. I think he's incredible. I think it deserved the screenplay win at the Oscars and, of course, the best picture. And I think what's so great about that movie and why we will look at it say 20, 30 years from now, it's, it transcends any sort of, uh, any sort of notion of what it's like to grow up in the projects or to grow up anywhere, because that movie I think can relate to anyone, no matter their gender, no matter their sexual orientation, no matter how they view the world. I think it's a movie that's collectively shows who we are as human beings and how, empathy is important and how everyone in our life surrounding us is important and it goes way beyond just a simple love story and i think is top five movies of the 2010s and i I know you guys agree already because we already talked about it yeah moonlight great pick yeah i mean i'm I'm good I wish I, it's yeah. de- it's definitely one that'll be remembered for a while. Yeah, one of the best movies of the of the millennia. 
millennia. Through the millennia. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and just quick shout-outs for Barry Jenkins before we move on. He has a movie called Medicine for Melancholy that came out in 2011, 2012, was made for nothing, and is such a beautiful movie. And I think uh, Moonlight wouldn't exist for without that movie because it shows how empathetic he is for his characters and how much he really cares about humanity and how you know we communicate and i think that movie and of course with moonlight and beale street like we said before barry jenkins is one of the best most celebrated filmmakers of our time for a reason so yeah moonlight yeah. i yeah and actually i really like um barry jenkins a lot now and i was reading i guess more into moonlight and apparently uh he filmed a lot of it where he sort of grew up um in yeah uh, in florida and florida a lot of the some people in the area were like upset that this oh it's this big like hollywood movie filming <laughs> here like this is so annoying yeah. like we like we hate you get all out of the, here uh, and then they all found the out old uh the old white people <laughs> yeah. but uh, but all the people in the community then then found out that he that the guy who was making the film was from mm. was from there so then they turned around and they were like oh this is like, yes that's great yeah, that's yeah. really cool uh, he seems like a really great guy. Yeah, I'm excited to see whatever he's great. he does next. Yeah. Also, Naomi Harris, who's the mother in that movie, she's also in Skyfall, which you were mentioned before. Yeah. 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 She filmed that movie in three days, and she played three different aspects of, of age and, and character, and it's just insane she shot she that in three days. She is amazing in that. She's yeah. one of the best actresses we have based on that performance alone and being in bond i think yeah. she's incredible yeah and going back to skyfall too the character of money penny is usually used to just be this older woman who's like sexually infatuated with james bond right and finally with naomi harris it's actually like a competent uh <laughs> person working yeah. Yeah. like mi6 and it's more yeah, rather it, than it just a uh, ridiculous character yeah, it's, it's yeah. more of a, like, it's so a traditional good. professional partnership yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyhow. All right. Yeah. All right. Luke? So my number five is a movie that um, I know is one of Jake's favorites. He showed me it, um, and I've watched it a couple times, um, and it just screams. Um, it just screams for, perfor- like, of importance of a time period, and it is um, – Andrea Arnold's uh, 2016 film American Honey. Um, I've uh, I've been trying to get more into Andrea Arnold uh, recently since a bunch of her stuff dropped on the Criterion Channel. Basically, all her features and uh, all her shorts, and I am mainly interested in getting into her work because of this film. Um, watching it was really unforgettable. Um, I felt I've I felt like almost um, in a way I've never felt before during a movie in just how um, empowering and freeing uh, the feeling that this movie gives you, um, and it's just it also has just such an independent, uh, real feel about real people, um, and. 
and um, it also has Shia LaBeouf killing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I could I let me read the description because I didn't say anything about it other than I liked it. Um, a teenage girl with nothing to lose joins a traveling magazine sales crew and gets caught up in a whirlwind of hard partying, law bending, and young love as the uh, crisscross as as she crisscrosses the Midwest with a band of misfits. Um, so yeah, I I just really have I have all th- this movie has always stayed in my mind. Um, just like various scenes, the soundtrack, and just the overall feeling it gave me, and um, it is very just it is just an incredible portrait of contemporary America. And um, I don't, John, have you seen the Florida Project? No, we just talked about that our last episode, though. <laughs> we did. Uh, yeah. um, I, I, I know a decent amount about the floor. So I would, I, co- I would compare it, it yeah. into that a way, except the um, a different, a very different, uh, a very different vibe, very different energy, and very much about um, just kind of a um, the lower class of America in like more in the southern region and um it brings just a lot of insight into this um into the culture and just the um and just how and how the um, modern day world has shaped these people and uh yeah the american honey is a uh, must watch for the decade yeah and that that's one um i will part of the reason i'm really glad we're doing this uh top 10 is that i knew you guys would pull out some that i haven't seen yet that uh that i that i really should and american honey is one that i've heard a lot about but i haven't gotten yeah. around to seeing that's with shia labeouf and uh the the girl that's in it too what else has she been in riley keogh she's in um she's in a lot uh i'm blanking but she, she looks <laughs> she so does a lot of i know i've seen her in something else but yeah um, oh, man. she's been in a lot of movies yeah uh, She's great in the movie too. Um, yeah, like you said, it's it's gonna be way higher up on my list, so I'm gonna hold my tongue for now. But I love that movie too, so that's all I'll say now. <laughs> yeah. All right, American Honey. That's yeah, that's cool, guys. We can move on. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a really no, good good. That's de- fine. That I'm was a really good description. I will say a really good description. Why I'm I love satis- that movie I'm too. I'm satisfied. I will that. chime in later. I'm satisfied with that moment. And I will also <laughs> say right now, I'm definitely interested in uh, whatever Shia LaBeouf does now. I think he's a really yeah. interesting person just in general. Yes. Right. So I'm um, always So when intrigued. I was talking to you about uh, Honey Boy mm-hmm. and I was mentioning like, you know, uh, Shia LaBeouf has some performances and like in, as it has been in some movies that are just like my favorites of the decade. Mm-hmm. This is what I meant. This is what yeah. I meant. Mm-hmm. Like Shia's fantastic in this movie. He loves honey. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> sure does. It sure can't, does. Can't can't get enough of it. <laughs> All right. All right. Um. So then my number five is um, another one that's also on Luke's list, uh, which is the Social Network. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yeah, I won't go. We we talked a lot about it. I won't go. Uh. I won't go on too much more, but um, yeah, it's uh, easily one of the more um, important movies of, of the decade of our generation. And I feel like years from now, it'll still be talked about and there'll be probably even more movies made about 
um, what social media has become right now. There will be like a, a Netflix show all about <laughs> social media and it'll yeah. probably, it'll suck. <laughs> <laughs> it was the past nine years. Just think of how much Facebook has changed since then. Right. Um, and now I've, uh, I've actually, I've since been to Facebook headquarters um, out here. Oh yeah. The new, uh, the new digs. Yes. And, and just to see the sort of campus they have for, this company is it's like insane the amount of people and just buildings and technology and all this stuff that goes into a platform that now is used for like grandmas to post pictures and for people <laughs> to share like random fake news uh on it's it's just crazy how um well first of all i love how the the book that it's based on is called the accidental billionaires which I think is like it's the so perfect good. title for it's so good, yeah. What social media is really is all these people like Zuckerberg and um, uh, you know the guys who started Google and Twitter and just um, how it's all in just a short period of time become this huge uh, behemoth. And uh, yeah, yeah, the social network is um, regardless of what it's about, even is um, just a great story, sort of about. Um, yeah, two friends. Yeah, two two friends, really. Yeah, really. Jealousy and uh, and rage and uh, entrepreneur entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship in, gen- in general, yeah. yeah. Marketing. Marketing, yeah. It's uh, finance. Um, yeah, re- regardless of of what it's about, it's still like there's so many themes that you can take away from it. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's another one that's super rewatchable, and I don't know if we talked about this before too, but the score. Uh, it was great. Trent Reznor, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that that na na na. Yeah, very simple, but na, na, uh, really good. <laughs> yeah, and all the sy- yeah. the synths, the synthy, Synth. and then the piano. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Social Network coming up again. Coming around the bend. Coming around the, the bend. Social Network. <laughs> all right, now we're on to number four. We're really getting in deep, aren't we? Oh yeah. Uh, we're in the trenches now. The point of no return, huh? Um, okay. Um, this is uh, this is a more obscure movie, like I like the French movie I uh, did before, and it's because it's from a foreign director. Um, I hope you guys have heard of this movie. Uh, my number four pick is Melancholia, directed by yes. Lars von Trier. Stars Kirsten Dunst, Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, and real quick, just to describe the plot of this movie, because it's so insane when you say it out loud. Um, essentially, uh, Kirsten Dunst is getting married to one of the Sarsgaard brothers. I can't keep them straight in my head. One of the Sarsgaards. And she's essentially the most depressed character you've ever seen on film. And basically, you see her the night of her wedding rehearsal and, and her eventual wedding unfold. Um but then the movie takes an unexpected turn where it jumps forward in time to where Kirsten Dunst and her sister discover that another planet is going to collide with Earth. So it really becomes a just tragic, frantic sci-fi story. And what Lars von Trier does in this movie that I think is so brilliant is that he he comments on depression, which I think is really hard to do in film. And he displays it in a way that is so earth shattering like quite literally it's it's put against the backdrop of earth being destroyed and how 
how depression affects people that much, which is, I think, brilliant to do, to, 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 to put... It's kind of what Arrival did with sci-fi, which is to tell a really human, emotional story with the backdrop of aliens. In the case of Melancholia, it's more mm. literal, like the yeah. Earth is going to collide with another planet. And this movie's so layered, I can, I, it's really hard to put into one soundbite. But I think... Why I put it on my list is that, uh, first of all, Kirsten Dunst, I think, one of our greatest actresses that we have. She, her work with Sofia Coppola and, and Fargo and Spider-Man, she's the best. And this is this movie is her most understated and her most physically just demanding performances. She's great in it. But also, movies that tackle depression just usually don't work for me because it never really captures the feeling that you have when you're in your deepest just fights against it and that's what melancholia really cop- captures and i think you know with mental health crises happening in our country and all over the world this movie is important and I, I i really hope other people watch it because it's so truthful and um on top of that a really compelling sci-fi movie at the same time uh so you get the big for your buck uh watch melancholia if you guys haven't seen it yet it's my number four I have not seen it. I've definitely I've seen that um, image of Kristen Dunst. I just looked it up. Right. Same. same. Um, I've seen that yeah. a lot of like when I was researching my top ten list. I saw Melancholia top a good amount of lists. Um, yes. By well respected uh, film uh, film journalism media sites and um, yeah, I've been trying to I've been like meaning to get down the uh, Lars von Trier. Uh, rabbit hole more dark Um, rabbit i've only watched (laughs) nymphomaniac volume one and i have so i have a long way to go um there's a lot more to see i know um but um yeah i've i've yeah uh, i gotta add i gotta get i gotta i gotta see melancholia now for sure definitely do and the the thing with lars von trier is he, he like I said, with Harmony Corinne and so many of these Spike Lee, and he looks at the world in a very personal way and just tells us we need to be better about mental health and we need to be better about how we communicate. And it's, it's, it's a very sad movie, but it's also a really angry movie at the same time and not an easy watch. I will tell you guys that, but it's a very rewarding and emotional experience that I think, you know, has been celebrated, which is great, and a lot of people love it. And Lars von Trier is a really, really complex filmmaker. If you've heard about his his, his comments at, at Cannes Film Festival and how divisive he is, but yeah, I, I I think if you've suffered from depression or if you know anyone that suffered from depression, that movie really rings true to a lot of things. Cool, yeah. I'm glad you brought up uh, Kirsten Dunst, too, because I think she yes. is... She is just so great. She is. I, season two of Fargo is mm-hmm. amazing. I, I love that so much. But prior to even that, I mean, what I remember her most from is just Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Um, which I also, I love those movies. But uh, um, yeah, yeah. Seeing her nowadays too, she was kind of, kind of like a uh, typical like girl next door almost in the early 2000s. But she's sure. actually a great actress. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you... Uh, Glad you brought her up. Yeah, Melancholia, that's added to my list now. Got to see that. Awesome. Nice. Great. 
with that sad note, uh, <laughs> move on to number four for you. So my number four um, is not as sad as that. Um, <laughs> it is. I would say it's. Um, it is much more uplifting. It is spiritually uplifting, and I will say that I've watched this multiple times and have have felt uh, reborn, if you will. If Jeez. So. How about that for wow. build up? Um, I wanted to put. I needed. I know. I knew I needed one Jim Jarmusch movie on this list, and I I was torn between two. And so I decided to go with um, Patterson with Adam Driver. Um, yeah, I, I mean Jake showed me this movie too, and so I don't need to, don't need to, <laughs> don't need to ask him. Um, but yeah, John, if I, I like, if I, you know, out of all the movies I've recommended to you over all these episodes we've done, um. I would like put this at like the top of your list um, because I think you would personally really, really? fucking like it. Um, yeah, this movie, this movie is mainly about Adam driver as a poet, a poet slash bus driver um, living in Patterson, New Jersey. And it is based on a poetry book by William Carlos Williams. And it is, and it is very much about just daily life and finding um, finding creativity and art out of everyday life. And it is just a very simple, humble film about humble characters, but yet it is so um, powerful and like spiritual and beautiful at the same time. Um, Adam Driver and um, his wife, in this film who is played by oh that's a name that is so hard <laughs> don't even try to pronounce I'm not it even it's fine try. john and i have <laughs> we have butchered you're butchering names. everybody's we name. have butchered <laughs> names every episode and i'm not gonna do this one because she is so great you'll remember movie. her name once you see it again it's okay yeah, She's it's all so about um, seeing the name rather than hearing it. Um, <laughs> it's about believing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> believing that she exists. Uh, and <laughs> so, yeah, uh, th- this film is is just, for me, was just so personally inspiring and um, just rejuvenating um, and really helped me gain a lot of perspective on uh, how to view um, everyday life um, and how to view uh, how creativity goes along with that. And yeah, it, it, I just think everyone who is s- somewhat interesting should see it. And John, you are definitely somewhat interesting. So you should, you should see it. Um, That's the nicest thing anyone said about it. Yeah. You're I know, somewhat right? intriguing intriguing and so yeah uh i i I would say that out of all the movies on this list um this is one of the most humble personal movies um to me that's actually i we i think we talked about patterson briefly in another episode yeah probably and since then i added it's on amazon prime and i added it to my list there and i just for some reason haven't watched it but now 
now for sure with your like endorsement of it i've gotta watch it like soon so i I definitely will watch that probably in the next week or two Um, yeah yeah love love it love it a lot um i could re yeah and it's and it it, it just like the rewatch is it just doesn't get old you know the effect um as well it's literally built into the structure of that movie it is like promotes rewatch because it's like you follow him day by day (laughs) exactly where it becomes like a every step of that movie becomes just a new portal into like different themes and different yeah it's character traits about adam driver it's that very movie, much got that uh slice of life yeah, feel as it is kind of like, structured as yeah. in like a week of the life of uh patterson just like jarmusch's characters uh or jarmusch's movies are very mund he's like the mundane master really like he follows characters through just really quote-unquote trivial parts of their lives but he celebrates the every man and the every woman, which is why he's one of my favorite directors. That movie is perfection. It comes from one of the best years of the decade, if we're going to talk about the decade specifically. Like, we talked about Moonlight, we, and Patterson came out that year, too. Manchester by the Sea came out that year, and so many great movies. And that's definitely one that's stuck with me, and Jarvouche always sticks with me, and that, that, that movie is very special. Yeah, so watch it, John. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. We're just like forcing it down your throat, basically. <laughs> You're going to watch it? <laughs> no, I was definitely interested in watching it before, but now even more so. So, no, I'm for, sh- I'm for sure going to. I wanted to watch yeah. it before, but now I really don't want to watch it. <laughs> now, yeah. you now I don't, yeah. <laughs> Mundane, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, well, uh, well. Fuck you. <laughs> my life is the opposite of mundane. So, so on, to number, <laughs> yeah. on to my number four then. Real my qu- life is just freaking <laughs> awesome. So no way. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick before we move on. I think Adam Driver is one of the best actors of the decade mm-hmm. by far. And I think that personally is my favorite performance he's given over the decade. I think it speaks most to him if, as being a great actor and like why we think he's a great actor. Because... He reminds, for me personally, he always reminds me of myself because he's the everyman and he, he's humble, he's awkward, and he's just extremely caring about other other people. He's like he's an inspiring guy, that Adam Driver, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And that's he's our De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, yeah, he's and he's just from like a small town in Indiana. Yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he's in like ten movies a year now, and they're all <laughs> that he acclaimed. Is. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, Adam Driver is definitely one that uh, figured would pop up on uh, on our list this time around. Um, all right, yeah, number four. Um, all right, then I'll get to my number four, which is not as uh, I guess it's it's pretty serious, but not a, not as serious <laughs> or deep as those movies are that you both mentioned for your number four. Uh, but it is one of the most enjoyable movies I've seen. Uh, and it's Bone Tomahawk. Yes. Oh, oh wow. Yes. Uh, S. Craig Zoller movie. Yes. Which is one I had yeah, no we, idea uh, we both anything like about. Tomahawk. What's that? I said we both liked Bone, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yeah. Bone I Tomahawk. love that movie so much. I didn't know anything about it, and I'd actually I'd listened to uh, Doug Benson's podcast a lot. and he. Oh, and he... He explained it all. <laughs> he's like, you got to see Bone Tomahawk when everyone... When anyone... Anytime someone asks me what's a movie that I haven't seen, 
that's really good and i should see he says bone tomahawk so uh, I saw it and immediately it became uh, one of the more rewatchable movies for me that I loved. And I immediately wanted to see more horror Western uh, mm. type movies like this. And yeah. uh, the cast is great too. Kurt Russell. So good. Um, Richard uh, Jenkins. Richard, Richard Jenkins, Jenkins. Yeah. yeah. He's in Step Brothers. Dale he's, Dobek. A, he's a great character actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dale Dobek's dad, yeah, he's um, Mr. Dobek. Mr. Yeah, Dobek. <laughs> he's uh, he's such a great character actor, and he's so great in this too. And um, yeah. Patrick Wilson, uh, yeah. another Fargo uh, yep. TV series Fargo actor. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's um, uh, I definitely I'm a, I'm a fan of the Western genre, and I this is such a great sort of take on that, but mm. also adding sort of a, a horror element. But it's also it's not super like. It's not supernatural, really. It's um, it doesn't ultimately seem too realistic, but it's not way over the top and insane. Like it, it seems, yeah. it's terrifying in the sense that it seems like if you it's were more like back in the na- native religious cult horror, like in yes. um, in uh, I walked with a zombie, like something like that, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And it's uh, oh man, it it, it looks so great. It's. <clears throat> I just can't. I've since I've seen it one time. I I watched it. I re- rewatched it probably three or four times. Wow. Um, just since then, um, and it, and it's just sort of become a one of my favorite movies. I guess sort of in the rotation yeah. of it's one of the of one smallest of my westerns like ever. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, and not only not only like the big names too, but um, Matthew Fox, who I think is that's right. As far as I know, he's only yeah. been in like Lost, but the I, Lost uh, guy. Yeah, I really liked his character. He's he was um, hateable in a in a good way. <laughs> that movie, um, I think, is yeah. deeper than you're giving it credit for. Even like it is a fun yeah. uh, exploitation horror western. But um, something that uh, S. Craig Zoller, the director, has done is he kind of takes like this conservative outlook on the world, like in that movie, and it's like, what were people afraid of? Specifically, like the powerful white guys and of that time and it was like the natives it was the unknown beyond where they were comfortable and i think that movie explores that in a really brilliant way like same with i don't know if you saw dragged across concrete is like tackles that in a similar way which is crime and race relations and and um i think he's a really great director and he kind of subverts like how we watch like crime movies and 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 exploitation and horror uh, I think he's a really unique voice, definitely, and I, I mm-hmm. love that movie as well. Yeah, I have. Uh, I saw Dragged Across Concrete simply because I loved Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, um, it's and really still, good. I, I still see Brawl and Cell Block, um, whatever it is, with uh, Vince, <laughs> Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Um, yeah, and S. Craig Zollery, I've, I've seen, I've read up more about him, I guess, since then, and uh, he just seems like uh, a huge movie fan too yep uh and so he he kind of has his own style because he's he's such a nerd about things and he even um i think i saw this too that he even still rates movies on imdb (laughs) and he he has like an imdb account where he rates and reviews very much uh doing what we do yes uh, (laughs) he's he's us he's a man of the people yeah um yeah yeah that's a great point too It, it definitely um um ties into that as well and uh yeah, it's just one 
I was just completely engrossed in uh, from the get-go. And, uh, yeah, stayed with me for a while. It's definitely one of my favorites. Definitely. So it's my number four. Yeah. It's great. Uh, that's, uh, that is a that, – yeah, that's a quite an – I did not expect that for number four. <laughs> that is yeah. a great pick that I forgot about, so I feel bad that I didn't talk about it, but I'm glad you brought <laughs> it up. Um, so we are number three, I believe. Uh, yeah. Number three. Top three. Here's my uh, action movie for this decade that I will include. Oh, um, here we go. <laughs> just get your uh, testosterone ready. Uh, Balls to the wall. Um, <laughs> by the acclaimed uh, Parasite director, Bong Joon-ho. Uh, my number three is Snowpiercer, which nice. I think is an incredible movie that really didn't... It got its due... Uh, theatrically, but if you've read about it, that Harvey Weinstein and Miramax really held it back from being what it truly was going to be, which wasn't just a pure action movie, which it is. Um, but what I think is brilliant about that movie is that it explores classism um, and it explores really how I think the world would really act in a situation of post-apocalyptic, which you rarely see. Yeah, in movies tra- of yeah, that, yeah, the world yeah. on a train. Yeah, it's really condensing everything in in our world to one really confined space, and I think that's a brilliant way to set up a movie that's about how we separate as a society of class and how, you know, the lower the lower tier has to rebel to make change, which I think is a really really obviously it's 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 been you know hundreds of years where that's happened, but it's really relevant to uh, which, you know, Parasite also explores is, you know, the top 1% sort of controlling how the lower class really act. And if you put that in a balls to the wall, just brilliantly directed action movie, I think that is just something that I've never seen before on film to, to tell really two simultaneous stories happening, which is, just people on a train, uh, you know, trying to rebel, but also what, how much it is like our world condensed in one small, speedy train in the ice. And just from a storytelling perspective, I think that's just amazing. I think Bong Joon-ho is, you know, Korean cinema is, is something that Americans really look for, for inspiration because they, they do tell really relevant stories just universally and they, do it in a really violent and just balls to the wall crazy uh storytelling uh especially in snowpiercer and if you've seen parasite much of the same way and he's he's really had a great decade and i think this movie um you could argue parasite's a better film i think it is overall but i think snowpiercer really um it really shaped how i look at how action movies could be much more than just a simple action premise and it could become a really emotional experience and a great cast too and um bong joon ho's the best um what do you guys think of that movie yeah i love snow peter uh, snow peter snow peter is also a great movie snow <laughs> barely made my top to 10 the snow he got lost on a christmas day no i think snow peter i said it again snow piercer is awesome <laughs> Um, yeah, everything you said, like the close quarters and the the nastiness um, on the way the different cars cars interact with each other, 
and uh, Chris Evans is just a badass. And the, best performance the, by the far. The fight scenes are just so drawn out um, to where every the whole everything feels like it's at stake. And the kind of just intricacies that you find when you're on this train, like there's just so many things that um, – like so much exploration that you go on with these characters. I just think it's just so amazing. It's like just a brilliant uh, – display of uh art direction in general yeah um oh yeah yeah just uh awesome awesome movie um yeah yeah i also really like snowpiercer and before i had seen parasite i had no idea it was the same director oh uh. um and and then sensing parasite i now want i desperately need to rewatch snowpiercer uh, but yeah, yeah, loved it. And again, a great cast. Chris Evans is great in it, and um, yeah, just knowing that Parasite and Snowpiercer are the, by the same director, I need to. I need more of the bong in my life. You know, let that's, that bong up, baby. That's all John is about. He's Pass me the bong, Jake. Yeah, I need. Yeah, it, yeah. he's on that Cypress Hill <laughs> hits from the bong <laughs> always. Talking yeah. about talking about bo- talking about him every week on our our show. Yeah, man, I just mentioned him, and I just recently seen yeah, you watched of something Murder, last week. yeah, um, which that I probably wouldn't have gotten around to seeing um, had I not just seen Parasite, um, and loved Parasite, obviously. Uh, what did you say about um, Weinstein? What did he? Um, it's a long story. I, I wish I could delve more into it. Basically. They bought the rights to the movie after it premiered at, uh, I think it was Cannes Film Festival, and they're like, okay, it's great, but we need to cut out a shit ton of it. So he brought Bong Joon-ho to the editing room, and he's like, all right, cut this, this, this. And Bong was really one of the only directors to ever tell Harvey Weinstein, he's like, go fuck yourself. It's my movie. You're not even, yeah. you're not from <laughs> Korea, man. You don't know how we make movies. And, and stop touching my wife. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Bong's, and then Harvey's like, you're right. Um, we still need to cut a little bit of it or else we're not releasing this movie in the U.S. And so he compromised. So basically what I mean is like, I would love to see a director's cut of that movie because mm-hmm. I think it's perfect as it is, but imagine... That there's more of a uh, distinct, clear, yeah. concise Ho is, Bong Joon-ho is a really distinct storyteller, and he his characters have a really special language and how they talk to each other. It's almost playful. And I think he took a lot of that out of the movie, like probably you know 10 or 20 minutes of character development and great stuff that we didn't see. But I, regardless, I think it stands on its own as just a really damn good movie and um have you seen the host john uh have no you, both I, you seen the host i need to see that i haven't host seen now, it yet yeah. i it's been on my list for a while after quentin tarantino talked about it it is <laughs> the perfect monster movie it's just everything you would love about parasite in a, to a certain extent but just imagine a monster is abducting people in the middle of that it's just really great characters and just a really great another mirror of, of what our world is like, but with a monster. And I think he does that. He just, like you said, with memories of murder, he'll just put really, you know, relatable characters in really shitty situations and lets it play out. And it ultimately becomes a really just great reflection on who we are and, and how we deal with stuff. And I think 
yeah, he's he's one of my favorite directors in general, and I'm, I'm glad Parasite's doing really well. Yeah, he seems like such a such a great guy too. Yeah, and there's just another reason to hate Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> exactly, yeah. that's that's the he's got to put thing. his dick everywhere, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> in the train, he's got to put it on the train. Yeah, God damn he's, it, he's a predator to women and a predator to uh, to movies, and I'm glad he's gonna <laughs> rot in prison. Yeah, <laughs> hell, hell yeah, son. Uh, that was good. Um, so yeah, what's your number three? My number three, we have talked about also a lot on this podcast. Um, my top three spoilers alert in general, I have talked about a lot on this podcast. Number three consists one of my favorite musical scores of all time. It's got some of the best directors of all time, and it's got. Ex Machina and Star Wars is Oscar Isaac. It is inside <laughs> Lewin Davis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well. Before you before you go on, oh, I'll say indeed. my number three is also inside Lewin. Oh, Davis. there we go. Right, let's How share. About that? Let's share our number three. Let's, <laughs> yes, let's, let's share it. Yeah. Oh, so nice. It's the season during of the sharing ho- during the yeah. holidays. <laughs> yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. That's awesome. That's like. I, I I don't think we've ever like we've definitely shared picks before, mm-hmm. um, like but I don't think we've ever had the exact same like slot. I think this is the first, yeah, yeah, the first on the podcast. Wow, nice. I'm witnessing yeah, history, think- aren't I? We're thinking, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're thinking alike. Um, yes. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, like, what what more can we say? We love this movie. We love. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we we adore it. Uh, the music. The at the countless numbers, the Adam Driver, boom, boom, <laughs> and uh, you know, you know the please, Mister Kennedy, I don't wanna go, oh, and the uh, and and um, just the fact that this movie is just so at the same time it has all these just scenes that bring a smile to your face and are yet also um, just so bleak and um, sad as you're watching this guy endlessly struggle as kind of the whole movie's about the end of this um uh folk singer's career that nobody heard about essentially um Mm. yeah and i never kind of thought that a movie about um a movie about a folk star like a, a fictional folk star um, from the 60s would be this high on my decade list for the 2010s but on just a personal level i just love it that much yeah that's same for me too as when i when you really i guess look at the premise it's yeah a struggling folk singer in new york uh in the 60s it's like okay um like i guess that's kind of interesting but uh it doesn't really like it doesn't really pull me in but this is a movie that's so it personally like strikes a chord with me no pun intended <laughs> and um <laughs> it's another one that's just utterly rewatchable and it's also one that i um uh, i also think it's it's um like we mentioned a little bit before with um i think jake's number four pick but uh i, I think it sort of um displays some themes on depression and mental health too and it's something that I rewatch sort of on when I sort of have a down period or a stretch where I need to um, sort of uplift myself, which is weird because it is a very bleak film. Yeah, because like at the end, he kind of gets 
kicked in the face, you know, yeah. shut, literally thrown down into the streets, you know, by the by the industry, mm-hmm. if you will. But uh, yeah, I guess there is something about his relentless stubbornness to do what he believes he's born to do that just it it kind yeah it's it's kind of very uplifting at the same time mm-hmm. and it, it almost too is like it gives you a sort of a level of self-awareness where you see that he's taking out a lot of issues that he has with himself yeah. personally and stuff that's gone on he takes that out on other people <laughs> um and it's uh um it, it, it can be relatable in that sense whereas that if you know even just in general very basic level if you're having a bad day and then you uh will flip someone off in your in while you're driving in your car or something and you realize oh it's not really about them doing something it's just that i'm like pissed off today um that's and that's a very basic level of thinking of it too but even with um i I guess depression that can lead you to being angry or giving you resentment towards something but um i i think in the end even you know he's getting um you know when he i guess you see him again with this man who who beats the living shit out of him um it's almost like a uh full circle moment mm-hmm. where he uh he has sort of a self-awareness moment come to jesus moment with himself right. um yeah and, and i and i think it's 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 bleak but also at the same time it can be um uplifting and um and relatable uh, yeah and then there's there's just something about like that just that bob dylan number at the end how he's singing the mm. same song as him and how it kind of speaks to how there were all these you know folk singers that we never heard about from this era and it was essentially because a guy a guy you know the inter- you know there's a lot of talk during the movie about how the industry is looking for something different you know they're all seeing the mm-hmm. same thing and essentially this guy this young kid with a twangy voice doing the same like folk songs as everyone else, but kind of putting his own spin on it is like, and, and ended up being known as the greatest songwriter ever yeah. um, is kind of just like that. The fact that he came from an era of all of these just folk singers that were um, just struggling to get by. Yeah. I, I've, I've always just found that really interesting. Yeah. And it, I think it's, I looked a lot into this too, um, just because the the movie made me interested. But I think it's loosely based off of Dave Van Ronk, who I had mm. never heard of before the movie. But I guess he was a a legendary folk singer in New York during this time, who never really like made it big like Bob Dylan. But with everyone sort of around him, he was like the guy. Um, but Bob Dylan somehow is the one that made it big. Yeah. He's regarded as one of the greatest uh, musicians of all time and uh, but Dave Ronk was always this sort of underlying um, legend uh, in the scene that just things happened in his life that he never ended up making it um, and and so that you can kind of relate that to uh, to Oscar Isaac's character um, but yeah it's really um, yeah I don't know it's a, it's a yeah. movie that I've wanted to like analyze more and um rewatch just to um yeah we'll we'll have to watch it together more. sometime john whenever yeah. we whenever we find the time yeah for sure yeah it's definitely it's um over the years has become one of my one of my faves for sure but yeah that's our number three 
two birds, right, yeah, one stone. Birds, collective number yeah, three. Exactly. Uh, on, to, on to number two. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, number two is Good Time, directed by the Safdie brothers. Cool. Um, cool movie, isn't it? Um, it's a cool <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Safdie brothers have, I would always cite them as, you know, as me, someone who's, who's desperately trying to make films at a shoestring budget and, and working with non-professionals a lot of the time. The Safdie brothers, and I guess this is a quick tidbit on them and not on the film itself, but, you know, they they made short films for, I think, a decade. Um, just whatever popped into their head, they would shoot it, basically. They, uh, oftentimes it'd be like skits on the street or kind of social... Uh, conventions that they would kind of deconstruct um and i love their short films um and they obviously went on to make really great feature films as well um i believe some of them are in the criterion channel uh or amazon prime some of their early work which is really great um but good time is a movie that it was my introduction to them um and it's a movie that like a lot of these just shifted my perspective on what's possible in film uh, especially Making it, uh, making it. I believe they probably made it under, you know, twenty million dollars. Um, that movie, like a lot of character studies we see these days, we follow a really despicable, shitty human being, uh, played by the great uh, Sir Edward Robert Pattinson, who's, <laughs> I think, one of the best actors we have working today. Um, you know, launching that sort of uh, Pat Pattinson sans. I don't think there's a good word for that, but uh, just him really killing it uh and good time really kind of launched him into the stratosphere of um taking him seriously and you know he's batman now and he's uh in the new christopher nolan film and good time uh like i've said with all these movies it it, it says so much about us uh i think it's in response to uh having a really divided country and having a really divided people uh, I think it looks in that in a very bleak lens and how this, this man sort of navigates a really shitty night and, you know, it's sort of this, you know, white privileged look at the world that's very much, you know, showing how certain people in this world could take what they want with no repercussions. They could do it relentlessly until everyone around them has sort of suffered because of them. And that's Robert Pattinson in this movie. And, you know, you, do, you don't necessarily advocate for what he's doing, but you see why he does it. And you see how a person can sink to that level of scum and how so many people in our world have sunk into that level of scum. Oh, I think this movie, above all of that, is just extremely visceral. I think the Safdie brothers, you know, if you've seen... I can't wait to see Uncut Gems, but if you've seen the trailer... They've created a new genre of like chaos filmmaking, which is just presented in the world in the most chaotic, just, you know, you can't trust anything um, and you can't trust anyone, which I've you know said in previous movies, which I think is a really cool trait in it to put in a movie um, and your lead character. And I think Good Times, a really great character study. I think it's one of the best performances we've had this decade and I think is... If, if someone were to ask me to show me a Snapchat snapshot of the late 2010s, I would show them good time. Cause I think it says a lot about us in the worst way possible. 
and I'm sorry that was such a sad rant about why I love that movie. <laughs> no, that's all right. A... It's all, right. all of yours have been sad. Um, <laughs> I'm a, it's been a sad 2010s. What can I say? Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, it's consistency. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's when we've all become adults, so that's why it, it gets sad. It really yeah. is. It really is. <laughs> yeah, a good time was uh, – I'm just, I mean, hearing you talk about Good time makes me that much more excited about Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see, I, I just saw Adam Sandler and Kevin Garnett on Jimmy Kimmel, and hell yeah, I, was like, I gotta oh watch my that. God. That's on my watch yeah. list on YouTube. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I forgot Kevin Garnett's in this too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I forgot yeah. he's my favorite actor. How could I forget that? <laughs> I see everything he's done. Uh, yeah, Robert Pattinson, after this movie, you realize, okay, he's not just the, that guy from Twilight. Yeah. Um, which I've never seen any of the Twilight movies, so I can't really talk. <laughs> me but, neither, me neither. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, now I'm actually, I'm excited to see how he, um, you know, what he does with the Batman character, I guess, just because um, after seeing that in the lighthouse now, he's obviously yes. one of the best actors working today. Um, yeah, yeah our, good our other De Niro. Yes, he's our our other next De Niro. Yeah, I, I just yeah the the chaos that goes on in Good Time and yeah um, that you can tell that will be in Uncut Gems. Yeah, the, the uh, yeah I, I really like exciting. the phrase of uh, chaos cinema mm-hmm. because um, yeah, I I've never I've always thought that the Safdie brothers uh, movies are so unique that. Um, especially good time and i i still have to see heaven knows what but uncut gems looks on similar lines to good time in a way and the idea of chaos cinema uh really encapsulates the way these movies seem to be constructed and the the feeling it brings audiences uh yeah i like that a lot yeah and like with chaos cinema it's like it shows how hectic, especially living in like New York or any type of city where there's so many people and so many people that want shit from each other and how everything's like a, just a transaction of money and really, you know, with you know strangers and stuff like that. It just it captures urban life and how hectic that is and how, you know, people just are at odds with each other so quickly. And again, how someone like Pattinson, who's who's seemingly like kind of a loser, you know, he's he's robbing banks uh, with his mentally ill brother, played by Benny Safdie, who's great, and how self-important that a lot of people think they are, that the world revolves around them and is like, give me everything, I will do whatever it takes to have it. While also he wants to take care of his brother too, so it's just a super complicated situation and. So are a lot of people in this world, so I feel like that movie captures that complexity just perfectly. And I, yeah, like I and said, I, I've noticed through watching most of the Safdie's brother, Safdie, the Safdie brothers' work that they kind of possess a a knack for um, for building stories around very um, very. Um, out there characters very quirky characters filled with anxiety that have a sort of um programmed desperation to do oddball things to survive um and this one (laughs) really goes for all all out on that uh idea and uh 
Yeah, yeah, listening uh, to you talking about it makes me want to watch it again. And uh, I can't wait for Uncut Gems uh, very much. Can't, so. can't I'm really wait. mad at everyone who has seen it before me. Yeah. Because all those people, me too. you know, suck and I'm awesome. Uh, <laughs> I've definitely, I've been Googling like past few days of Uncut Gems early screenings to see if there's any sort of early screening around uh, where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. And Good Times was... It's one of those movies that, after seeing, it's like, okay, I want to see whatever these guys do next. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know if you guys watch. I um, I like uh, Casey Neistat on YouTube. I think he's got some. He's got some cool videos. But that was <clears> the <throat> first time I ever saw them. Was, I think, uh, their friends or whatever. And he was just in. Oh uh, wow. He just <laughs> had the Safety Brothers in one of his videos, and I was like, oh okay, these guys are kind of interesting. And all of a sudden, they're directing this movie with Robert Pattinson, and it's super well acclaimed. And now they're doing Uncut Gems. Yeah, and now Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler he's Kevin doing, Garnett, he's yeah. doing, and Kevin Garnett, yeah, he's doing all. Adam Sandler now is doing so much press for, and he's like, you know, these uh, these safty guys, they're very, you know, they're very serious. So I just wanted to do my <laughs> best. He always talks about he's like the safties are uh, very yeah. serious, real you, filmmakers. Did you hear what he uh, he said that if he doesn't get nominated for the Oscar for Uncut Gems, he's gonna make the worst movie of his career next year with Netflix? And I believe him because like how many well, yeah. times has he in done a way, that? It's like a bid, but at the same time, it's not because he totally probably is making a movie for uh, Netflix next year as scheduled. He wants that yeah. Oscar. Where he's going Oscar on vacation, nomination. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably going on vacation somewhere, and then they're going to make a movie. Yeah, I mean, he's like, Netflix, we're going yeah. to Hawaii, so how about Spade <laughs> comes along, and we'll, we'll play with dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make a movie. But, yeah, you should definitely watch his uh, his interview on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. It's, oh, uh, no, it's on, it's good, it's on yeah. my list, John. Yeah. Don't and worry. I, yeah, I, I was imp- I was impressed with Kevin Garnett, and I'm excited to see Kevin Garnett. I hear he's amazing. You're, in you're impressed with Kevin Garnett on the Jimmy Kimmel interview? Because he's like, I don't know, you know, when you see um, what after the Celtics won the championship and Kevin Garnett. Yeah, he seems so possible. He seems <laughs> yeah, so, like such an possible. incoherent maniac, but on Jimmy Kimmel, he has full sentences and seems <laughs> yeah. he's he's at peace with himself. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He's not ki- just this dumb athlete. Yeah. He doesn't want to kill LeBron James. Yeah. He's... <laughs> but he actually, he was like, he was like, yeah, I just play myself or whatever. But it's like, no, Kevin. You're more than just yourself, man. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, that's, right. I can't yeah. wait for that. So yeah, got, someone had to have good time on this list. So mm-hmm. I'm glad. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm thankful. <laughs> All, All right, right, Luke. My number two. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say it. Just say it, man. I haven't said it yet. You know, my Let number two is Francis Ha. You've talked about it on this yeah. podcast before, haven't you? Yes, I have. And you didn't so, say it this uh, time, so to uh, preview another another direct filmmakers um, work that's coming out. Little Women is coming out, and so yeah, someone's got to have some uh, Greta Gerwig on this list. So I thought, yeah, <laughs> um, this is not <laughs> only a movie that uh, I personally just love, and I got I got to wa- like like John said with inside Lewin Davis it's like this movie is really um like therapy to me like I like it's something I gotta just like watch sometimes you know mm-hmm. I just gotta put on and it's and it's especially made for that because it is like an hour and 20 and every um um every scene is uh 
so much uh, it's filled with so much uh, substance and uh, uh, wit and character and richness that it, it just makes every second uh, worth it and I, I yeah and not only do I personally love it I just think that it is so important um, because Greta Gerwig is so important and this is her like just not not like it's obviously she didn't direct the film but i believe that it is her movie in a way like she it is about her it is like one of the most personal movies she's made and it is and it, it kind of it kind of just shows a new way in which just like just kind of a bre um a breakthrough way in which uh, just a breakthrough performance for a a female character, a female persona, a female actress, um, in ways that we haven't seen, in kind of a natural, uh, real life way that we haven't seen. Um, like there, you know, there's that South Park line. You know, it's a joke. Women are funny now. Get over it. You know, and <laughs> I and I, you know, I've, I'm always like root, rooting for women to be funny. And for women to express themselves um, in through not through com not just comedy, but also just um, just showing who they really are. And I don't think not only just for men and women, I think this movie just has a one of the most uh, personal performances um, and scripts that we've seen. But I think that um, just this movie has just so much. Um, it's all just real life dialogue from Greta Gerwig's life real things she said um things that she's thinking on a daily basis um and just feels like the portrait of her and not you know she's not only is she really funny in it and has just expresses all her quirkiness in it but she just describes her um just the 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 lust for life that she has and um yeah yeah I just uh I just really like Francis Ha and I just think it's so important for the future of um, future of acting writing directing and especially is such a, uh, a flagship role model film for uh, females yeah Noah Baumbach another director um, that's big right now because of Marriage Story uh, and Greta Gerwig who directed Little Women yeah it's um yeah, I really like Francis Ha too, and uh, it also stars Adam Driver, who yeah, he's again, back again. Like he's one of the best uh, actors of his uh, generation and just our time right now. Yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, I I, I want to talk a little bit about Francis Ha because I left it off my list too. Um, number twelve, I think. Um, but that's yeah, like it means a lot to me too, and it, I think generationally. Uh, Anyone under the age of 30 deeply connects to Francis as a character and Greta Gerwig's interpretation on sort of being lost in yourself and, and, and wherever you live when you're in your 20s and, you know, feeling like you don't belong. Like, it's it's like a childlike uh, feeling that you'd feel in school is like, where do I go and, and who, do, who do I integrate with? And it's like you still feel that in your twenties. And I think Greta, that's really truthful for her to put that on screen. And it's, 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 it's weirdly taboo. Cause it's like lonely, loneliness and isolation is 
never really depicted as well as it does in like a comedy like that and then having a really great sense of realism and uh it's a love story about friendship also which is a really sort of great look at that as well and you know i could talk for days but it means a lot to me it means a lot to friends that i've had uh that love that movie to death it's it's really become a phenomenon really for film lovers and uh noah bombeck fans and greta gerwig fans it's it's a great movie and i I hope they stay married for a long time and make great art together yes i hope (laughs) that marriage story doesn't come true for them (laughs) it's definitely one that's um it's it's big now with movie lovers it'll go down as sort of a a classic um or just a, a a common favorite with um, people of our generation, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good pick. Um, all right. Number two. Number two. So okay, so my number two is uh, one that I know both of you have seen, and we have also talked about it within the past half an hour or so. Um, and I I wanted to include at least one 2019 movie on it because I, um, so far I've I've loved 2019. Uh, as mm-hmm. a year for movies. So yeah. my number two is Parasite. Nice. Bong Joon-ho. Yes. And, uh, and a movie that I uh, still, right now, I am dying to see it again. Uh, and I can't wait till it uh, it comes out on um, on VOD so I can rewatch it. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and immediately wanted to see all of Bong Joon-ho's movies uh, had no idea he also directed Snowpiercer, so I need to rewatch that one too. <laughs> um, and then, of course, I also love Memories of Murder. Um, just watching that, and now The Host is yes. on my list too. Definitely. Um, but Parasite was one I I didn't know too much about it going into, which I thought was great um, because just based on um, just reading the short little plot of it and um, seeing the the poster for it. It looks like it's this really dark uh, thriller that's gonna be like unsettling to watch, um, and there there are parts of that, but it's also um, it also feels real in the sense that there's a lot of humor in it too, uh, and it's not just completely through through and through a very dark and um, sort of gritty thriller. Um, that it, it feels real. It's a real story about classism and. Um, uh, and it has some dark themes in it, but uh, it's not too over the top or, or bleak. And uh, yeah, it, wow, it just um, kind of blew me away, and I can't wait to to watch it again. And so far, it's it's spoiler for our future top thirty list of twenty nineteen. But oh my so God. far, it's it's still my favorite it's movie. Probably, of the year. yeah. If I mean, if it's <laughs> up this far for the decade, I assume <laughs> that it's probably pretty high on the. On the yes. yeah, the top thirty. So, thanks for the spoiler. I don't need to watch it. <laughs> I don't need to do watch it now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, who knows? It could change. There's still some yeah. movies coming out this year, yeah. but There's, these lists are interchangeable. Um, yeah. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I absolutely loved Parasite, and uh, oh yeah, I just immediately after seeing it, I I just wanted to talk to people about it it's one of the, you know i i didn't want to just think about it to myself i wanted like oh my god i just want to talk to oh you saw parasite too yeah oh yeah, my god yeah. wasn't it so yeah. yeah 
That's a sign of just yeah. a really great movie. It's just, I I, I remember when I saw Sorry to Bother You in the theaters. There was like one other guy in there with me. <laughs> and like after it was over, I was kind of like, we just kind of both awkwardly walked out. And I just kind of wanted to say like, like, oh my God, like, <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> you just know? wanted to bond over that. With but him. yeah, yeah, but I, of course I just like didn't say anything. And <laughs> we awkwardly <laughs> walked out while I was, he was full probably, of energy. He was probably thinking the same thing too. Or yeah, I mean, but I was yeah, kind of scared like, of being yeah. like, oh my God, did you see that? And he was like, yeah, what the fuck was that? And I would have been like, Sucked. oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't talk to people randomly. It's another yeah, great exactly. uh, 2010 pick, by the way. Sorry to bother you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah another one that easily could have been <laughs> yeah. on our list. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Parasite, uh, like you said, the poster, and if you see, it's the thing with Korean movies, you're like, that looks like a really dark Korean film about, who knows, it's, it's like it looks like a horror movie, right? Yeah. Uh, but that movie has charm to it, it, it draws you in visually because how beautiful it looks the score is great the performances are great it's like a dynamite just knockout of a movie that just has a ton to say pretty much everything i said mm-hmm. was snowpiercer in terms of classism and um you know the different uh power structures of of our world and to do that in a very simple premise in a really simple thriller um taking twists and turns that you don't see for miles coming and i think I, I would not be mad if anyone said that's their favorite Bong Joon-ho movie or just the best movie of 2019. I think it's perfect. I really love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and when it started out, I think it was great that I didn't know much about it going into it. Yeah. Because, um, I, I mean, to even give you more context, I saw it maybe a, a week or two after I had just moved to a new state. I didn't know anybody. I asked my wife briefly if she wanted to see it. She saw like the poster <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. and she was like, yeah, it's probably not for me, but it's totally not that at all. No. And I, and I went to it and um, it, it even, yeah, it just starts out. It just sort of feels like a comedy it, yeah. and yeah, and it yeah. slowly unravels into this, um, you know, this darker thriller and uh, yeah, it all works. It just, it just feels so natural and, and like it, like it feels like a comedy starting out. It's just sort of normal for this family too. And then yeah. all of a sudden, shit hits the fan. And um, yeah, no, I uh, absolutely love Parasite. Uh, I I needed to include one 2019 movie on my list, and this was easily the one to to do it. So yeah, that's my number two. Love it. All right, we're Numero down to number uno. one. Uh. Weirdly, this was my easiest slot on my list because this isn't only my favorite movie of the 2010s. It's also my favorite movie in general uh, of all time. Uh, wow. You know, if someone were on the street were to ask me, what's your favorite movie? Why do you make movies? Why do you want to make movies? Uh, American Honey is my favorite movie, and Luke talked about it before. Uh, again, I second everything he said. Uh, the first viewing experience of that movie is just absolutely breathtaking uh, you you go on this just spiritual journey with these characters uh like he said it was depicting a very uh underrepresented part of our country which is the lower half uh economically uh, especially um 
with youth, like you've seen in the Florida Project, you see it through the the eyes of uh, a young child. Uh, American Honey, they're more so like 1920 uh, years old, you know, early 20s, I would say. Um, so you follow uh, Sasha Lane's character, her name's Star, um, and she, you sort of just go with her as she navigates, you know, the complexities of not only our world and how just how it's really tough to navigate, you know, like geographically, like it's a road trip movie, but also, you know, what kind of job you or career path you should take or, and who she should love. In her case, it's Shia LaBeouf. And she does it in such a fearless way where I think she, um, star who's the lead character is a representation of just freedom. And in a world that's so constrained by a career path or, just uh, really anything that's holding you down in life, um, financially or, or, or religiously, whatever, that movie just takes it on its head and it's like, let's go be free together. And that's what these characters are in this movie. Um, it's a singular vision um, in terms of just how it makes you feel free, how it uh, teaches... It's a common thread in these movies, is movies that teach you that we need to take care of each other and we need especially in the latter half of the 2010s. And the movie shows how economically um, and, uh, uh, you know, large corporations have sort of, you know, plummeting the lower half of this, this country. And uh, Shia LaBeouf's character is, is, is like the representation of like uh, the dangerous side of like falling in love and, and how it can, it can be sort of chaotic. And, I think that movie just overall, you know, I could ramble for days about it, but uh, I think it represents uh, everything I love about this decade, the 2010s, which is an artist having uh, just a few million dollars and going to make a movie about so many things that we take for granted, which is each other, like other people and, 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 and what freedom truly is and what love really is and what we need in this life and in the case of American Honey, it's we don't need a lot. Truly, we don't need a lot. We really, we we need family. We need friends. We need a purpose. And that movie is about finding a purpose for any aspect of life. And I think it's the best representation of this decade in terms of independent film, but also having a unique voice, especially like Luke said with Francis Ha from a female perspective. And that's my favorite movie of all time and my favorite movie of the decade. I love it so much. I uh, hope you all see it. Awesome. Yeah. Like I said, when, uh, when Luke was talking about it, it's one, I obviously need to see because <laughs> I still haven't seen it. And I've, I've heard from other people actually about how much they loved it. And um, it, it's not a, it's not a movie that, that the general public, I feel like knows too much about. Oh. Um, so you don't you don't hear about it too much. It's not really on top of your top of your mind, but uh, yeah, it's um, one I'll be I'll be seeing for sure, um, just based on your recommendations. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, all I'll say is he's not uh, overselling it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on a first watch I am because I've seen it like ten times. But <laughs> um, email email John if you think he is overselling it. <laughs> 
true. Yeah. Not only your favorite movie of the decade, but favorite favorite movie of all time. Yeah, so that's, yeah. That's big. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just on an emotional standpoint, it's like it's it goes beyond just a movie because like I could see here and talk about uh, Mission Impossible and Creed and and all these movies that from the decade that I loved that I left off. That was the one movie, maybe apart from Moonlight, that really just made me think about humanity and just more than just a film. And above that, that movie is really well constructed. Like, it's beautifully shot. It has a soundtrack from just really great contemporary music. Like, there's a lot of rap music. Yeah, yeah the a lot music of great, really uh, captures the decade really well. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. a perfect snapshot of... of, of of youth and the best parts about uh, youth and beyond that, just 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 life in general, and that, that's the best way I think I could sum it up. It's just a celebration of of breaking out of your shell. And for someone who's like an introverted, just shy person, it's like it's a freedom of just expressing yourself in one movie, and I think that's a beautiful thing. All right, well. My number one. I felt like I just got a lot off my chest. Wow. We have one number one down. Now on to the next. Here we go. My number one is Sprang Breakers. Sprang Breakers. Sprang Breakers. <laughs> go watch Sprang Breakers. <laughs> yeah, well, Jake already talked about it. Good I've movie. also talked about it a lot on this podcast. And I've, I will say I've only slept like three hours right now uh, because I'm a maniac. And so explaining Spring Breakers just sounds like really tough, but I will do it. (laughs) Um, So when I, my like journey with this movie, I basically had to like kind of forget certain notions um, that I've had about watching movies in order to like understand it more. You know, because I remember, like, the first time I ever saw it, I was questioning just everything. Uh, it was, like, so long ago, and I was just, like, I remember I saw it, and I was, like, what the fuck? What is going on? Like, that, that is so stupid, you know, how they <laughs> kill everyone at the end. That is so dumb. <laughs> Why would they even do that? This movie's dumb. <laughs> and so then the, I watched it, like, many years later, and I... I, I had a more like open mind. I, I, I really just I, I cleared my mind of what I thought before and I got more out of it the second time and I, I just kind of thought that the movie was a satire the second time on like MTV culture and just kind of on just my generation, our generation in general, it felt like a satire on our generation. So then I watched it a third time and I remember it was like Jake I watched it with Jake and Jake told me to not even look at it that way to even forget more about what I thought about it and so I I watched it again with an even clearer mind and I basically just took in the energy that this movie has and that's kind of that's why it's my top of the decade it's why it's one of my favorite movies ever. This f- so weird, fucked up movie that most a lot of people hate and don't understand. Um, it's just because it has an untouchable energy 
that basically encapsulates so much of um what it like what it is to like just be alive like jake jake i'll just reiterate jake talked about breaking out of your shell and breaking out of um your routine i just feel like this movie is about like a lot about i mean you can interpret it as i don't even know if harmony corinne intends it to be about anything but (laughs) um i think that it you can say it's about getting out of a rut you could say it's um you could you could also say it's a about MTV culture. You could say you could say it's about uh, ce- the celebrating uh, just uh, debauchery and partying and uh, substance use in general. Um, but overall, I just love it so much because I've never seen a movie quite like it. It makes me feel like nothing else. It makes me feel so free. It has an untouchable energy. I just love the never-ending Skrillex, you know, Skrillex <laughs> imagery where it's just like constant partying and the na 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 I just can't get enough of that. I love watching James Franco uh, drive his um, whatever awesome car to, some, to Gucci Mane and Waka Flocka and walk into the club and talk to Gu- and Gucci Mane's there acting and I love watching James Franco you know talk about money on his bed and how he has Scarface on repeat um <laughs> yeah I just have I just love this movie I love Harmony Corinne he's one of the uh just I I, I just think he's easily or if not the most brilliant one of the most brilliant minds in art and cinema that we've had um, over the past couple decades, and this is his best film. So yeah, that is why it's my best of the decade. Wow, awesome! Very passionate uh, explanation as you. That, yeah, I, I love thought, it. I yeah. thought I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> also, everyone knows I loved the Beach Bum. Yes, I the uh, Beach Bum. I also really enjoyed this year. Yeah. And I need to now. I've only seen Spring Breakers and the Beach Film of Harmony Corinne. I gotta um, dive more into go down that gummo rabbit film. hole, gummo yeah. and uh, trash humpers. <laughs> I've, I've be heard, fun. I've heard some of his movies can be a little disturbing. Sure, um, <laughs> you could say but, that. But I, I think I'm prepared for it now. Yeah, I, mean, I yeah. will say you've seen this. You've seen Spring Breakers. I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of. You're ready. You're not like I mean. You you see some pretty uh, depressing things, but you're you're fine. Mm-hmm. You're 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 fine. I can I can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, I guess anything else to say about your number one? I mean, we had a lot a lot from Jake about it too. Spring yeah. Break. Spring no, I'm, break. I'm, I'm good. Awesome. I I definitely think uh, people made their sort of preconceived opinions on it um just by seeing like selena gomez and vanessa Hudgens. yeah yeah okay it's these disney girls that are trying to like be out there and it was marketed really badly too i i also love i love how the casting does i love that about it too how it takes it's all it's a group of people just really trying to do something different and and not giving a shit about what uh i mean james franco always is like this but specifically uh the disney channel females how they're just in a way that it's they're 
they're really going on this adventure, this weird adventure for real, and just kind of just trying to do something different from their lives and just not giving a shit what everyone thinks. And mm-hmm. yeah, this movie just doesn't uh, it doesn't give a shit, and I like that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everyone's so serious. Awesome. All right. Um, well, I guess that leads me to my number one, which I will preface with it's not uh, – I wouldn't deem it as nearly as important as uh, as your number ones. I don't uh, it's say important that. To, Come on. It's a, yeah, it's important to me because it's my favorite movie of the decade. Um, and it's just personally just – one of my favorite movies ever. Is it Ted? Um, it's <laughs> Ted too. <laughs> uh, no, and my favorite, uh, my number one movie of the decade uh, is What We Do in the Shadows. Um, the Taika Waititi, Jermaine Clement um, comedy from uh, 2014. Um, mockumentary style uh, movie. And I, I don't know, I guess it's kind of a... Um, a curveball in a way it's, it's not like a super i'm like a little surprised but i also shouldn't be because you're <laughs> like best of list i mean your favorites of all time list out of everything from the decade this is like the highest on yes. that list so i shouldn't be surprised as of now this is definitely be in my top 10 movies of all time I would oh say. wow it's I, I think i've said this about my top uh my top four but just rewatchability. like this is one i could i could literally watch whenever um, and it's because it doesn't it, take itself too seriously. It doesn't take itself too seriously, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is so uh, like perfect towards my sense of humor that mm. I can't even, um, uh, it makes I me, would like, say um, everyone's almost too. I think it's like, just, yeah, yeah I think it's just, I, I think it's just funny. Like it's just, yeah, it, it is. It is undoubtedly just a funny movie. Yeah. Um, like if we want to get deep with it, <laughs> and and I'm I'm a big fan of Flight of the Concords too, and it has I mean it has Jermaine Clement in it, and he's one of the directors, but it also it has a similar style of humor and just like that that dry sense of humor is just something that um, I guess I've always had. I don't I don't have a super I'm not a super like peppy, upbeat sort of uh, in your face type person, and this is just sort of the dry um, office mockumentary yeah, type of yeah. humor that would, really just like is right up my alley um yeah and i just i i just love this movie so much i love taika waititi and it's jermaine clement and uh their uh their friend god what's his name like Stu. yes Stu. he's like the one normal person in it I <laughs> yeah 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 and, his they, character and, then they, in yeah, it. and then they eat him up and then reese darby too he's uh one of the the werewolves uh in it and there's this whole werewolf Claim that comes into it. I, I can't even explain it too much. Is just how much I love this movie. It's just it's every scene so funny. When I rewatch it, I'm always like, oh, like thinking in my head, like, oh, this oh, is when they, this, this is like, when they do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is yeah. when they say this. That is the sign uh, of a favorite movie where like every scene you're like, oh, I can't miss this. I'm ready for this. Yeah. Yes, I'm I just, s- I just nerd yeah. out about yeah, it. You're just yeah, you're glued to the chair. Yeah, I saw this movie in like yeah. film school. Red. Uh, really? Yeah, I saw wow. it in film school. They showed it to us. Uh, because we were supposed to make mockumentaries uh, for class, and I didn't know what it was, and I just remember watching it and thinking, why, all right, this is the funniest thing, like, I've ever seen. Why did I not know what it, <laughs> what this is? How have I never seen this 
at all. Yeah, and I, I just, I yeah, like I've never watched. Um, it's rare when you watch a comedy where it like hits, you know, every mm-hmm. beat, every comedic beat it goes for, and this yeah. really does, and it's just got a beautiful rhythm to it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not unique in thinking this is a funny movie for sure, uh, but it's just when I like when I look for a comedy like this is it ticks every box um, as to what um, I guess works works for me. Yeah, I just think it's it's so clever and funny, and almost when I hear that, it's like okay, it's like a mockumentary style thing. I'm like okay, yeah, yeah like The Office has done that, like Spinal Tap, like like we've seen that, but this uh, it doesn't even. It doesn't feel like a, I guess, um, a filmmaking tool that's been overused. It just feels so great. Yeah. I love. I For love. Some I love reason, the character it's just dynamics. so. It's just so fresh, and I think it's just. Yeah. It, I think it's just because it's a purely, it's pure comedic brilliance, and that is it. You yeah. Know? Like mm-hmm. there's nothing. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing else. There's a yeah. Sure. There's a reason why Taika is one of the most celebrated and just people love him this decade because was outputs crazy too. Like what we do in the shadows and hunt for the wilder people at Thor Ragnarok. He's been on a run, Um, Mm -hmm. but he looks at the world in such like a silly and childlike, just really uplifting way. And I think people just love that and relate to that. And Mm -hmm. he's, he's just really confident in himself. And I think he's, he's becoming one of our most unique storytellers that we have. And, uh, I love I love that movie. I love Hunt for the Wilder People a lot too. It's just mm-hmm. Sam Neill's so great in that movie, and he's such a great way of working with actors and really having just really just confident performances and really funny performances that you don't see in film anymore. And he's 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 redefining comedy, which is a thing we need for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hunt Hunt for the Wilder People was one that nearly made my list uh, too. Uh, yeah, Taika Waititi is—he's a really likable guy nowadays, which is why oh, yeah. he's. I mean, Jojo Rabbit was a extremely well marketed movie, uh, just in the fact that um, while people may not know Taika Waititi by name, they at least know about the movie now. They know, um, they obviously know the Thor movies, Thor Ragnarok. But uh, right. yeah, it's um, yeah, what we do in the shadows—it's just yeah. Uh, I I mean I, I I was interested in seeing it just based on the fact that I'm a fan of Flight of the Concords, um, but then this just even takes that to another level. That sort of dry sense of humor that um, Jermaine Clement and uh, and Taika Waititi um, yeah. have. So to quote uh, John yeah. Mulaney, quoting Mick Jagger, it's just funny, <laughs> funny, <laughs> not funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah that's my uh that's my number one but like i just mentioned hunt for the wilder people almost made my list which is a good segue nice. to some honorable mentions which i know jake you have some honorable mentions that you uh oh, i have so many um you definitely have to mention i'll just i'll just write a few a few off really fast i, I won't talk a lot about them uh man another action movie that uh, I wish I could have mentioned is The Raid 2 uh, and honestly The Raid 1 I think they're the best choreography we've ever gotten in an action movie um, The Raid 2 specifically is incredibly ambitious and really great um, what else do we got here uh, Widows 
really, really important movie, a really great thriller that we don't see these days, a really great sort of Michael Mann callback, um, and a great ensemble cast. Um, Creed, Ryan Coogler is also one of our most important filmmakers that we have, you know, stepping up to do Black Panther and uh, Fruitvale Station was a great debut, but I think Creed is a great, just very uplifting sports movie and a very great character study first and foremost and i think is electrifying uh parasite we already talked about i will mention one more um uh, manchester by the sea uh starring casey affleck uh, directed by kenneth lonergan is one of my favorite scripts of the decade um that movie captures grief and just hardship better than most films do i think it's really brave movie i think the performances are great um i think Kenneth Lonergan is one of the most underrated writers ever. I think he's only made three movies. Uh, he also wrote Gangs of New York, which isn't so good. But damn, he is he understands human emotion better than most people, and I think Manchester is his best film. What do you guys have? Do you have any of those? Um, I have Creed because uh, we watched Creed that one time, and it really uh, blew our fucking minds. Uh <laughs> Like, not even, not overselling it, people. Like, Creed is unreal how good it is. Um, uh, I have The Irishman. Uh, I have The Lighthouse um, and Parasite uh, from this year. Um, I also have Widows. And also another one from this year, I, I decided to give uh, Quentin Tor- Taran- Taran Tortellini some love. Uh, and I put <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the, the list because... Um, I have, I think this is like my probably my all-time Tarantino, um, and I think it's just like a hallmark that the movie guy is making a movie about the movie industry. And I fucking <laughs> love that. Um, uh, I also I have the other Mission Possible, Mission Possible Five, not Fallout. Mission Possible Five. Um. I have Get Out, Jordan Peele's Get Out, um, and I have Fast and the Furious 7, the one where Paul Walker said goodbye to his friends, because it's all about family. <laughs> family. And Coronas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lady Bird, Mad Max Fury Road, that was on John's, um, Call Me By Your Name, which was on uh, Jake's, Good Time, which was on Jake's, and I have... The other two Paul Thomas Andersons of the decade, um, I wanted to put them in the top ten, but, you know, I wanted to have some, uh, you know, variety. Uh, so, yeah, Inherit Vice and Phantom Thread are also in my honorable mentions. Um, and also uh, Magic Mike XXL is on my honorable <laughs> mentions because Magic Mike's XXL is, is stadium status male stripper movie. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and that movie is just a, a amazing time. I could have um, put that in my top ten. I just, for, I don't know. I was too. Yeah, it almost, it, it almost <laughs> just. Uh, yeah, it's like it's a ballsy, way too much of a ballsy move. Almost. I couldn't describe uh, it on this podcast in literally, such a short time. Ballsy. Yeah, literally a balls in your balls to the wall move. excitement. <laughs> um, that movie's perfect. Um, and also, there's this movie I wanted to put in my top ten. I had it in there until the last five minutes. And I decided oh, to put in The Wolf of down. Wall Street. So it was a movie called 444 Last Day on Earth starring Willem Dafoe. And it's a very bleak film 
about an actor and a painter as they deal with the day the world comes to an end, essentially from climate change. And it is very bleak and very sad, but also I wanted to put it in there because I think it is so powerful um, and and just so um, forward-thinking, ar- pro- arguably more forward-thinking than any movie on this list. But it's just so not as fun to talk about as the like the some of the others and I, I was just being honest with myself I I would much rather rewatch uh, so many other movies than this <laughs> but just the fact that it affected me a lot and um and uh I thought was so uh forward thinking I, I just had to uh at least mention it uh so yeah those are all my honorable mentions nice uh like you guys I also had widows as one of my honorable mentions hey, widows. literally in the in the like few minutes before we started podcasting i i had that as my number 10 Mm. uh, but i had to switch it out um and uh another one too i was thinking i was trying to be i guess give a more more of a variety to my list and think about what the 2010s will be remembered as and i feel like marvel movies and superhero movies are going to be of course that's i mean the 2010s were all about that so i had to think of my favorite i guess uh superhero movie the only one that i really would give a a five-star rating to that i saw in the 2010s and that's uh spider-man into the spider-verse i agree with that yeah Um, definitely the best i love the the art style love the storyline um it's just such an enjoyable movie and i've i've rewatched it since and it's still just uh so incredibly like pleasing to the eye yeah like i just i yeah i can't get enough of uh of just watching that and oh yeah um i think it's a super unique and fun movie um let's see what else i also had once upon a time in hollywood uh, included in there um i thought about knives out because i love that one too but uh yeah i was hesitant to put um oh the irishman is another one too mm-hmm. i was hesitant to put too many 2019 movies in there just yet but i think it's a great year though yeah, I, I think a few months from now, I definitely would it would include um, a couple more 2019 movies for sure. Um, yeah, that's uh, wow. What a, what a decade it's been. <laughs> it's an exhausting <laughs> decade, huh? Yeah, I, I, wow. did, I did not think we would be doing this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> At the, I, when, in 2010, I just I did not think that this was going to happen. Yeah, this is uh, I mean. Jake did. Jake predicted this when he started his yeah. list five years ago. I saw yeah. Inception and I was like, I will remember <laughs> that I will make a list and do a podcast about it. What, that actually reminds me. I nearly <laughs> put Inception on my list. <laughs> Strictly because in 2010, when I saw Inception, I was like, well, okay, this is the greatest thing that's ever been made. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, I should get more into movies. <laughs> I, I Yes, I um. Oh my god, Christopher Nolan is a, is a genius and <laughs> inception i am the only i'm like an auteur now inception is <laughs> i am an auteur the most amazing he made me an auteur by just watching the yes. movie <laughs> i am now gonna make a movie just like inception and <laughs> become a legend yeah I, I almost had to include it just because no i, I 16 year old me would have been yeah. would have definitely had that in there yeah um, yeah wow solid well, stuff gentlemen good yes picks all around very good lists it's uh 
yeah wow it's uh, there's so much to say about uh, about the decade it's been and i'm excited for the 2020s yes the movies that that'll bring and those movies that we those will watch movies. and yes. then talk about <laughs> so stay tuned for 2029 when yes. we bring out our <laughs> yeah top 10 of 2020s list yeah and uh yeah it's gonna perhaps be a, uh barn perhaps top gun maverick will be on <laughs> yes. my list I, I that's the only movie i could think of that is coming the out top next gun year sequel that whatever other star wars movie that disney yeah. throws out there that'll be there yeah but uh, uh yeah. yeah it was good to have jake on again jake will yes. probably be back for um some oscars talk i will be yes. there because we have our oscar the oscars is important to jake <laughs> As it is, I will say right us, now to all that, of us uh, down below, <laughs> to us all. Yes, I will say that uh, Cats will win Best Picture, and you could quote oh, me on that. Uh, hot two- take! Wow. <laughs> no, that's a joke. I'm just excited to see Cats <laughs> and to see how balls to the wall cinema I'm, has gotten over I'm this sure, decade. <laughs> and I know you. I know you will see Cats. <laughs> I'm, I will and see I, it on Christmas Day, and I know I won't. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, it was, yeah, yeah. It was. You'll see our predictions when we debate between whether Rise of Skywalker or Cats will win Best Picture. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we'll uh, yeah, stay tuned for that because I know you're excited to hear our thoughts on which one. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So have a have a good have a Merry Christmas. Have a blessed Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy New Year. And or a, yeah, we'll, or whatever you celebrate, a Happy Holiday. Happy, happy holidays, happy Xmas, and uh, John and I Monica. are going to be back with a much longer list. You thought this was long. Oh, you don't even know what's coming. You don't yeah. know what long is. <laughs> you guys should do that we're all gonna... in one sitting just so you could break this record of uh, 30 will, movies uh, and yeah. just do we 60 will... movies in one podcast. We will need some Adderall. <laughs> For that. What is the yeah? What is the Guinness Book of World Records for, for the, the, longest the longest podcast? podcast? I don't know, yeah. but it's yeah. probably it's probably Joe Rogan or something. Yes, uh, probably. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's, wait, we'll take some Fuck Adderall. Rogan, watch the Adderall yeah. Diaries. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about how it's entirely possible that UFOs and yeah, septic tanks. Yeah, septic tanks. Whatever they put themselves in. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah.